Awesome. Well, good morning. Welcome to Missio de Falcon. It's great to be worshiping with you on this uh, fine winter's morning where we get to prepare our hearts for Christmas and the birth of Jesus and all those things. Um, so what we're going to do now is this is a special morning for us, uh, and this is our fifth grade graduation. So if you are one of our fifth grade families, if you could join me up front, that would be great. Uh, and as they're coming up here, just to cast a little bit of a, an explanation for why we're doing this, our church uh, is about 35 to 40 percent kids fifth grade and under, which means we have a lot of little ones running around, and that's been the case uh, ever since we started, that God has blessed us with so many young lives uh, that are being discipled. And so in our church, we uh, think the discipleship is the reason why we gather, like we are disciples of Christ, and we gather to make new disciples of Christ. And so uh, so, so with that, um, what discipleship is, is maturing together in Christ. So yeah, we can squeeze in here, right? We get, there's plenty of space. Come on down, guys. Uh, so discipleship is maturing together in Christ. And so as we mature towards this fullness of who God has called us to be, what this gives us the opportunity to do today is to celebrate some milestones in these young hearts and the discipleship that God has worked into their lives. And so uh, the, the Bible has this concept of an Ebenezer or a, a stone of remembrance where you, you have these things in your life that you can look back on and see how God has worked faithfully in their lives. And so for each of these kids that have been here for either several years or even, I think Max has our, is our senior senior one here. He's been here for uh, nine years, which means he was two when he first started coming to Missio Kids. And you think about all of these young hearts and how many times they heard the gospel preached in their Missio Kids classes. And this is the culmination of that. And so from this point on, they're going to be worshiping with us at our tables. And so at your table group discussion, you will have these young sixth graders and, and on up. And so we invite you to encourage them to contribute at your table, to welcome them into the conversation because they are, they are not the church of the future. This is what the church looks like. It's people of all ages and generations worshiping together and celebrating God and his glory and goodness. And we believe that the work that God began to do in each of these people's lives, he will continue to do and he will bring that to completion. So we're going to pray now over all these uh, young hearts. And so I've asked Kelly as our kids director to uh, pray over them as she kind of hands them off from Missio Kids to Missio Youth. Then I've asked Bruce as our, one of our youth leaders to pray over them, welcoming them into our Missio Youth group. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We're so grateful for the awesome work that you do in us and through us and that you're absolutely doing in transforming hearts and minds in Missio kids. And we look at these five graduating fifth graders, Lord, and we're so grateful for the little seeds that have been planted year after year, the seeds of gospel truth, of your grace and salvation by faith, of your death, burial, and resurrection that they've heard week in and week out. And God, we pray that those seeds that have been planted would blossom and bear much fruit. Um, Thank you, God, for a church that loves and celebrates and is stewarding well these young hearts and Missio kids. Um, This is an issue for our whole body, and our body has taken this up and served well um, and served week in and week out so that these young men and women could hear the life-transforming, powerful word um, taught and preached and proclaimed week in and week out. And we ask God that they truly would love you with all their heart and serve you all the days of their life, that they would grow in the understanding of your wisdom and knowledge, um, and that you are the true source and sustainer of all things. And so we commission them, we graduate them um, from one season onto the next. This is not the end of the chapter, but just the beginning of a new one. And we bless them and send them out. And discipleship in these homes, in the context of the local church, is a beautiful, wonderful thing, and we long to see them grow and flourish. 
and for uh, you graduating students, take a look around. This is your new D.C. Uh, these students are here to welcome you uh, in the next step, in their next uh, journey, or the next part of that journey. So let's pray. Father, we give thanks for these families and these students. We just ask your blessing on them, Lord, as they uh, graduate today, and then they move on on the next step, and that's uh, into middle school and into high school. And we just ask your blessing on that journey, Lord. And we just ask for perseverance for these students and the families. Um, It's a crazy ride, and we all know what it's like. And we just uh, know that it can be somewhat crazy, but it can also be fantastic in your world. So ask your uh, perseverance on them, Lord. And, And lastly, we just ask that you bring alongside another student, another family, another adult, that we can walk with them with these five students in their faith walk and be with them as they uh, look toward you and continue to study your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. At this time, if you're able, please stand for the scripture reading out of respect for God's word. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. You can find it starting on page 966 in the Black Bibles on your table, and it will also be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, you can take one of those Black Bibles on your tables as a gift. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore therefore all have died, and he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the whole the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. It is true and it is given out of his love. You may be seated. Thanks, Elise. Well, so uh, one of our priorities here as a church, one of the things that we are praying God works deeper into our life is that we can be a church that engages the work of Jesus and that we will see that happen as we become more focused on being a kingdom-multiplying church. And so uh, the idea of kingdom multiplication means that we're going to give of ourselves for the glory of Jesus beyond our local church setting. um, there's There's a quote by a man named William Temple who says, the church is the only institution in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. Okay, and so with that, when we 
give ourselves for the glory of Jesus beyond our local church settings, it means that we're going to be partnering with people around the globe who are doing the work of Jesus, and we're going to be able to partner with them. And so when you give money to the church, we take 15% of that, and we give it to the mission of God outside of our walls. And the goal for that is that we can build these in-depth partnerships where we can see the gospel go forth into other cities, uh, not just our own. And so this morning, we have this awesome privilege of praying over Ed and Shelly Davis. So if you guys want to come on up, it would be great to welcome you. Um, so uh, we showed uh, Ed's video last week of their church's vision in uh, Missio Dei Raleigh, which is a fun little story, the fact that it's uh, Missio Dei, kind of like Missio Dei Falcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Ed and Shelly are in the process of planting uh, Missio Dei Raleigh. They'll launch yeah. sometime in, I think you said December, is that right? Yes. So it's, it's coming up here. And so uh, I've known uh, Ed, we've been acquaintances for a few years and then reconnected at an Acts 29 event recently. So they're part of our same church network and they even having, having the same name as our church is a reminder that, that we are one body and that this one body exists for the glory of God, whether you're gathering to worship in Falcon, Colorado or Raleigh, North Carolina. And so it's our great, uh, we're grateful to be able to partner with you guys. And so I want to pray over them. So if you're comfortable, just extend a hand as a prayer of blessing as we pray over the Davises. And then Ed is going to preach for us this morning. So God, we're so grateful for Ed and Shelley and for the way that you have called them to yourself, the way that you have equipped them for this ministry of church planting. We're grateful for all the fruit that their ministry has, has borne over the years and for this uh, opportunity to do a new work, to see a new church started in Raleigh, in a city that's exploding with growth and has so many opportunities to share the good news with people who don't know Jesus. I pray that you would uh, bless the, the work of their hands, that you would be the one to bring growth to this effort, that as they plant and water the seeds, that you would bring an abundant harvest of people who are far from you coming to know you as their Savior. So continue to, to work in their hearts, to strengthen their marriage, to, to work in them and through them so that many people can come to know you as their Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And now, like I said, we have the blessing of having Ed uh, preach for us this morning. So uh, thanks, Ed, for being Thank here. Thank you, brother. Good morning. Now, y'all going y'all gonna, y'all gonna to have to help me out a little bit here. I'm going to have to get you to say amen a little bit. Is that okay? All right. So I'm going to say something that I normally do. Uh, when I preach in churches, so don't get scared if it's not normal, and if you're not familiar with that, or or, or if this is new to you, then don't don't let it fear you know produce fear in your heart. But I'm going to ask you a question: If you love the Lord today, say Amen. amen. All right, that was good, but let's, I think you can do better than that. If you love the Lord this morning, say Amen. amen. One more time: If you love the Lord this morning, say Amen again. God bless you. It is such a joy to be here. Uh, I, I love humor, so if you see me smiling and laughing every now and then, just bear with me for just a few minutes. I'll be out of your hair in just a few minutes. As you see, I don't have any hair, so Colbert does. So It's a joy to be with you here today. Uh, I want to bring uh, greetings from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I am kind of smiling for several reasons because I'm excited that I saw some snow We have been here uh, three different times uh, around November, December, and each time we didn't see any snow. So we come in May and we get snow. (laughs) I mean, mean, praise the Lord, right? I mean, God is good. He really is. Uh, I I was told I had about an hour and a half to preach, so I'm going to take my time. (laughs) Oh, oh, that wasn't right? Okay, all right. Uh, No, I'm just joking. I want you to open your copy of scriptures, if you do, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. I want to talk with you this morning about a very important subject entitled, Behold the Mission of the King. The Mission of the King. This text is 
uh, traditionally known among uh, church uh, folk as the Great Commission. But in many cases, this is the final marching orders of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very important for us to understand that out of all of the different purposes of the church, the one purpose that drives them all, the fuel that drives them all is the mission. The mission that Jesus gives to us. And I'm excited about Monsieur Day Falcon because you guys are doing it. And so in many ways, I hope and entrust this will, this will just be an encouragement to say to you guys, man, keep on keeping on. You're doing it. God is here. His hand is upon you. And just keep on keeping on in the mission. But we're going to talk a little bit about what that is this morning. I want to read beginning at verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28. Then I want to pray a little bit and then we'll get into the sermon for this morning. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you left your word for us as a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Father, I pray that you will speak to us. I pray that your spirit will do a work in our hearts today as we revisit the mission that you have given to us, the church, in these last days. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. On November the 9th, 1989, the world was astonished uh, by the news of the fall of the Berlin Wall. The wall that had divided Berlin, Germany, was coming down at this time. And the city that had been divided for 28 years would now be united once again. And though the epicenter of joy was Germany, an onlooking world shared in its, in its excitement. Because something great had just happened. Something great had just taken place. Indeed, something great had taken place. In fact, the greatest event in human history, according to Matthew's gospel, has just occurred in Matthew chapter 28. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what I want us to think this morning as the big idea of of our text is this. That based on the authority of the king of King Jesus and his promised presence... He calls us to go and make disciples of King Jesus. To go and make disciples of King Jesus. Now here's the question that I want us to ponder uh, for the remaining minutes we have here this morning. And it is this. How? How should we obey the call to go and make disciples for Jesus Christ? I'm glad you asked. In our text, there are three lessons of how we can obey the call to go and make disciples for Jesus. 
And I want to talk about that for just the remaining moments we have today. First of all, the first one, if you're taking notes, is that the call to go and make disciples depends on the authority of King Jesus. Now, something incredible has just happened in the backdrop, the setting of our text. The ladies had ran to the tomb because they had heard news and they ran to the tomb and they, they went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away and there was a shining person there. We know that to be an angel according to Matthew's account. And the angel reminded them that Jesus told them that he would rise after three days and three nights. Uh, he would rise again. And he says, and indeed he has arisen. He said, come and see where he lay. They went in and they saw nothing but his grave clothes. And they came out with great uh, excitement. And he began to tell them. He said, listen, go tell the, tell the others. And Jesus said, go to Galilee where he will meet you there. And they ran to the apostles who were hiding. You know, the ladies had, had the carriage to go to the tomb while the guys were hiding. And they go to the guys and they tell them the good news that Jesus has arisen, just as he said. And he wants us to meet him in Galilee. And it is in Galilee, on the mountain, where Jesus gives the final marching orders. Most New Testament scholars tell us that it took approximately two weeks to three weeks from uh, verses uh, uh, Matthew 28, 1 through 15 to our text today. Jesus had many different appearances before that. But according to Matthew's gospel, the very next event in the narrative is the event where we see in our text this morning. Where they're, they're meeting Jesus. They come to the mountain, the place where Jesus Uh, called them to come, directed them to come. And notice the text, as we see in verse 17, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, notice the responses. They worship, but some doubted. Two responses to the post-resurrection appearance of our Lord. One is that of worship. The word is proskuneo in the Greek. And it carries the idea is to bend the knee. It carries the idea of prostrating before a potentate, before a sovereign. That is the only response, the only proper response to the resurrected Christ, is it not? To bow the knee, to worship him When we worship him in song this morning, when we worship him in prayer this morning, when we worship him in the opening and the reading of the word, we are bowing our knee, our hearts to the potentate of potentates, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I get an amen in here? (laughs) All right. I heard that. Somebody, somebody's getting into this. We're going to get shouting before the end of this sermon. You watch out. Worship is the primary proper response. But the reality is that doubt is there as well, is it not? He says some doubted. And this is a rich word because it carries the idea of coming at the fork between two roads. It literally means standing between two ways, two pathways. 
The idea that Matthew is trying to tell us here is that there are some within their hearts that just aren't convinced that this is Jesus, that this is the resurrected Christ. And, and perhaps this morning you are here. You are, you are in that, that, that world. You're in that response right now. You're here today. You're hearing the word. You are, you're listening to the song sung, but you're not quite there yet. You're not quite there. You're not convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And that's okay. We welcome you. We, we, we thank God for you being here today. But the good news of the fact is that whether you are here with a worshiping heart and a worshiping heart for the Lord or whether you're here in doubt, the good news is that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you where you are. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> he does. Now, notice the assertion. Notice the assertion. Now, this is important. As we get into the narrative, we, we talked about the post-resurrection of Jesus. They see him. Some worship. Others doubt. And the very next thing, notice the text here in verse 18, is an important establishment about the person of Jesus Christ. Look at the text. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, here's the assertion, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Stop there. Wow. Jesus says all. This is the first of four alls in the text. Jesus says all authority has been given to me. Now, if if you are familiar with uh, prophetic literature, this is a, a fulfillment of what Daniel talked about over 700 years ago. Write this down because I'm already there. But in Daniel chapter 7, in verses 13 and 14, listen to these words. Daniel says, I, see, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days. Here, Daniel uses this very, very popular uh, title that Jesus used of himself as the son of man. It's a messianic term to point to the fully God man. He says, and the son of man came to the ancient of days. You say, well, preacher, who is the ancient of days? The ancient of days is the father. He is the, he is the everlasting father. He is the most high God. He comes to him. Now notice what the father does Uh, for his son here in the text, and was presented before him. This is an official uh, uh, moment of of royalty, a passing of authority here. Notice verse 14, it says, And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom, and that all peoples, all nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Who is that talking about? They're talking about Jesus Christ. He has all authority, exousia. There is no authority that he does not have. And, and what is the idea here? First of all, it's an idea of totality. His authority extends throughout all of the heavens and all of the earth, and indeed, even under the earth. He is Lord of Lord. He is King of Kings. He is sovereign. He is the sovereign God in human flesh. 
Jesus Christ is not just a mere teacher. He's not just a mere professor or prophet. He is Lord. He is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Can I preach in this place for a few minutes? Listen to, wit- listen to the witness of Matthew in his count alone. Matthew talks about this incredible, astounding authority of Jesus. In, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, Jesus has authority over the creation. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, as well as Matthew 8, 28, 34, Jesus has authority over disease and demons. In Matthew chapter 9, 1 through 4, Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Don't you like that? He can forgive sins. But most importantly, listen to this, in Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 10, Jesus has authority over our ultimate foe, and that is death. No Christian, no follower of Christ never has to fear the grave ever again because we have victory over death because we worship the one who is life. He is the resurrection and the life. Somebody in here ought to say amen here. (laughs) I'm going to get them ready for you, brother. (laughs) Listen, listen. If Jesus has all authority, Over all peoples, everywhere, he has the right to tell us what to do. Amen? Amen. I think that's tight logic. Right, Professor? She said yes, by the way. I don't know if you heard it. Thank God that, that the king of glory is a compassionate, loving, gentle, and humble king. Here's the good news. Because of who Jesus is and the authority he has, We don't have to worry about what happens in our world today. We don't have to worry about what happens in Washington, D.C. We don't have to worry about whatever the next politician will be because we know that all authority is in the hand of Jesus Christ. So because of that, we can rest and revel and respond in worship in worship in the complete authority of King Jesus. Now, number two, so, call, so the call to go and make disciples depends on the authority of King Jesus. And second, I got to move, I got to move here. The call to go and make disciples depends on the command of King Jesus. Notice verse 19, if you will. Here's the command Jesus gives out. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Stop there. The command. What is the command, preacher? The command comes from one basic driving imperative, and it's the imperative make disciples. Mathetes. Mathetuo in the, in, in the verb form. And the idea, the meaning behind this is, is, is idea, the basic idea is a learner or a follower. But Mark Dever in his small but very powerful book called Discipling gives this definition that I love. And that is disciple making or making disciples is helping others follow Jesus. Yes, I like that. <laughs> helping others follow Jesus. Look at the scope. Look at the text. He says, make disciples of all nations. 
All nations. The word ethnos there carries the idea of every people group, every language group. The nations is our call. The nations drive everything we do. This points to the fact, beloved, that the command is not just for the 11 disciples, but to all followers of Christ throughout the nations. We are called to make disciples. But the question is, how do we do that? There are three, listen to me now, catch me now. I want to teach for just a moment. If you're listening, say amen. Amen. There are three primary participles that, that are orbiting around this one imperative. It is the word go, it is the word baptizing, and it's the word teaching. So we can read it in this way. Even though these are participles, because they are orbiting, modifying, now stay with me, they are modifying the main verb, the main imperative, make disciples, they too carry the weight of an imperative. So we can read it in this way. Make disciples by going. Make disciples by baptizing. Make disciples by teaching. Are you with me? So let's look at those real briefly, quickly. Make disciples by going. It begins with availability, doesn't it? If we're going to make disciples, we've got to be available to the Lord to use to go. In fact, the idea of go here is as you are going, your lifestyle, your network, as you are touching lives, as you are meeting people at school, as you are meeting people at work, as you are meeting people in play, you are touching these lives, you are using these uh, these, uh, these natural uh, uh, networks uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the opportunity to share the word of God. So going, in essence, if you're taking notes, carries the idea of evangelism, carries the idea of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, Jesus said that follow me and I will make you fishers of men. John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus said in one of his post-resurrection appearances, he said, listen, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Let me ask you a question. What did Jesus do in the three years? What was the dominating thing in his life in those three years? He was seeking the loss. He was seeking the loss. And he says, now I give that to you. And you might say, well, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an elder. Uh, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. That's okay. He's calling you to seek the loss. You. Look at your neighbor and say, you. Come on, you can do better than that. Look at your neighbor and say, you. Amen. Amen. Make disciples by going. Make disciples by baptizing. Baptizing. Baptism is a very important ordinate of the church. It, 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 it basically, I'm going to give you two things because I need to, to move on. There were some other things I wanted to share, but I need to move on. What really is baptism all about? Two things. It is a confession of personal faith in Jesus Christ. A confession, an outward expression of something inwardly happening. That is that I have committed my life to Jesus. I've repented of my sins and I have embraced and I have clung to only his finished work for me, his death, his burial, his resurrection for me. Nothing that I have done, everything he has done for me. 
Is that clear? I embrace that and that alone. And that's what I'm saying in that baptism. I am saying that I am a follower of Christ. I want to follow him. But number two, it is an illustration of the truth of the gospel. It is an illustration of the truth of God. Now, now, now stick, stick, stick with me on this, dear ones. This is very important. The reason why we do baptism the way we do, and that is by immersion, is because the word baptizo literally means to immerse or to dip. And here's the picture. Don't, don't miss this. When a person goes down, it is a picture of a person dying to his or herself, being buried under the water, and as he or she is coming out, watch this. This is so beautiful here. Watch this. The picture is that person coming up out of that, 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 that water into a new life, resurrection, a resurrected life, death, burial, and resurrection. The baptism is a picture of his death, burial, and his resurrection. This is why we do baptism. But we do teaching as well, do we not? We make disciples by teaching. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Paul tells uh, his young protege, Timothy, he said, take the thing that you have witnessed in my life and entrust them to faithful men who would then go to other men and would teach them also so that they can then go and teach others as well. Teaching is a vital, vital part of how we make disciples. So we make disciples by going. We make disciples by baptizing. We make disciples by teaching. How much time do I have? Okay, all right, just one check. All right. There was a boy, and this is a fictitious story, but it teaches the truth. There was a boy that went up into this mountain, and it was getting dark, but he just wanted to go up. He was fascinated, and he wanted to look around. But then he realized all of a sudden that it had gotten so dark that he couldn't even see his hand. So he became fearful. He became uh, concerned. So he began to think out loud, and he began to cry eventually, help, help, help. And then all of a sudden, a voice said, I'm here. I can help you. He said, just let go, because he had gotten to the point where he grabbed this this huge limb, and he didn't want to let go anymore because he was so frightened uh, of the darkness and the fact that he felt that if he were to let it go, he would fall hundreds and hundreds of feet down from the mountain. He was very concerned, but the voice kept saying, I, ha- I got you, I got you, let go, let go. And, and the boy wouldn't listen. And then the story goes that that following morning, they found this kid who had just kind of passed away there. And, and the problem is that where he was, if he had just let go, he was right there. He was literally inches from safety. Jeremiah First, First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 puts it this way. Saul comes, he's disobeyed God, and he comes with these gifts to the Lord. And he comes to Samuel, and he says, these are gifts from the Lord. And Samuel looks with disgust and with disfavor on him because he has disobeyed God. And Samuel says to him, Saul, obedience is better 
than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, guys, we, we can, you know, in, in life, you know, especially as church folk, we're good at giving things out. We're good at um, doing things for people. But the most important thing in life is to be obedient to the Father. Amen? To surrender. The word obedience literally means willful surrender. Willful surrender. And here's a way we can willfully surrender. I want to give you some practical things as we move to the final point this morning. And it's this. We can obey the call to go and make disciples for Jesus Christ. I want to give you three ways real quick. Actually, four. First of all, begin by asking yourself the question, do you need discipling? Do you need discipling? So you see, we've got to get to the point where we understand our weakness, our, our place in the journey of life. And perhaps there's someone that you need uh, someone to pour into your life. You need to let your elders know. You need to let your, your pastors know, your, 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 your small groups know, I am in need of discipling. That's okay. In my life, I had a few men when I came to Christ, I was zealous. I was reading the word. I was memorizing the word. But I had very little understanding of what Christianity was about. And these men began to pour into my life on a regular basis. And God began to use these men. My wife has the same story of this elder lady who took her aside, led her to Christ, prayed with her, and began to pour in her life the truth of the gospel and the foundational doctrinal truths of Christianity. Folks, listen to me. We need people to pour into our lives. And you have to ask the question, am I in need of this life? But number two, pray and look for the one that you can walk with and disciple. Beloved, listen to me very carefully. The call to discipleship is not for professionals. It is for the church. It is for the people of God. It's for you. God wants to use you in the life of another person. God wants to use you in the life of them too. Number three, parents, listen, specifically, disciple your children, especially in the day we live in today. We live not only in a postmodern world, but we live in an anti-hateful Christian world. What I mean by that is that the, the, the society that we live in today not only wants to get rid of all of the vestiges of Christianity in the public square, they hate us. Are y'all hearing me? They hate us. They hate our idea of marriage. They hate our idea of, of, of morality. They hate our idea of, of, uh, of, of, of uh, theology. They hate the idea of, of the Bible, the authority. They hate the idea of Jesus Christ being the king. The, the message I'm preaching today could actually get me put in jail in many places today. We are living in an anti, very hateful uh, uh, society. So it's important, parents, that you pour into your children's lives the truth of the gospel. Don't depend on the church to do that, but you do that and you come to the church and be affirmed and confirmed and equipped to go back home and continue to do the work. Am I making clear this morning? <laughs> Amen. One more. Go through studies like Christianity Explored, the gospel-centered life. You guys are doing disciple directors. Man, pour yourself. If you haven't committed yourself to that, I beg you, if I can get on my knees before you today, you need to do that. Because the more you give yourself to becoming a disciple, the more God can use you for his glory and for kingdom advance. So, 
The call to go and make disciples depends on the promise, presence of God, promise, uh, promise of uh, command of the Lord and the authority. But finally, the call to go and make disciples depends on the promise, presence of King Jesus. Isn't it good to know that what we are doing, everywhere we go, Jesus is with us? Isn't it good to know that right now, in this place, he's with us? Look at the text. He, he, he affirms that, doesn't he? Look at verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Two things I want you to see from this text, and then I'm through. The first of all, notice the promise of his presence. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, beloved, but I, I, want, I want to share something with you if you haven't already learned this. If you begin to start witnessing for Christ, if you begin to start sharing your faith, men, listen to me. If you begin to start letting your light shine in the office, in the warehouse where you are, where you work, if you begin to let people know, not just in, in just sarcastic, you know, just preaching at people. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying simply living the faith before men and women. I, I, I come from a military family. My dad was a Navy man, uh, last serving in Little Creek Amphibian Base, Norfolk Naval Base in Norfolk, Virginia. Any, any military here today? Uh, yeah. So I grew up around Navy and Marines. And I learned from a lot of guys who began, began to live for Christ that it ain't easy. Excuse my English. It's not easy. You can get ostracized. You can get isolated. You can even lose opportunities of advancement. Even though they may not tell you that, they'll, they'll, get a, they'll give you a good proper, you know, reasoning why they, you didn't get the position. But the reality is they don't like you. Because you are a Christian. And I wish I could say to you today that if you were, I wish I could do what Joel Osteen and all of those guys did. I wish I could tell you if you were a Christian, man, God's going to make you rich. God's going to promote you. You're going to get all the good positions. People are going to love you. Oh, man, you're going to be all that. I can't do that. In fact, I can say probably just the opposite But what's more important, to live for Christ or to live for Ed Davis? Paul said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And here's the point I'm trying to say. When you start living for Christ, you're going to get a lot of mess at you. You're going to get people, you're going to lose friendships. People who you thought were your best friends are going to turn their back on you. They're going to talk about you like a dog. It's getting quiet in here, preacher. But here's the good news. Here's what I got to tell you. Here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that more important? That Jesus is with me. 
He promises his presence, but he not only promises his presence, he says his presence is permanent, even to the end of the age. The word age is a significant word. It means aeon. It carries the idea to the end. Listen to this. Listen, are you still listening? Say amen. Even to the end of time. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Even, but you don't understand. My sister, my, my sons hate my guts because of my position in Christ. I'm there. My wife is there. But Jesus comes back and says, Ed, it's okay. I'm with you. But you don't understand, Lord, the, t- the, the tears. The tears keep coming. It hurts. You love your family. You, 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 you love your friends. You love your best, your best friend, but, but they turn it back. They, they don't want to be with you because of your, your, your commitment to, your, to the word of God. And Jesus comes beside you and he says, listen, I understand, but I'm with you. The promise of his presence. So, beloved, go. Make disciples. Make disciples. Commit your life more than anything in life from this day forward. Commit your life to following Jesus. Amen? I want to challenge you in these next few minutes to, to go to the discussion questions. Talk honestly. Don't be afraid. Open your heart, whatever. God leads you. Let God move in this time. God bless you. Thank you for this opportunity. After we have heard God's word preached, uh, we respond in worship. And so there's lots of ways we can respond in worship. Uh, we respond in worship through taking communion. We're going to do that a little bit. We can respond in worship through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. In the offering box in the back, that's a, a giving out of an abundance of gratitude for what Jesus has given for us. Uh, we can also respond in singing. We have two more songs we're going to do. And we, then uh, the final way that we can respond is through prayer. And so we're going to do another time of prayer, pray over a family that is moving. Uh, this will be like the third time, right, this morning that we've prayed over someone left it out of hands. And so what I want to encourage us with that is that prayer is an act of worship. It's not something that we're observing or watching someone else lead. It's our souls and our hearts are joining with the person leading prayer in prayer. So, so we're going to do that here now. So if you want to come on up, Batelli family. Uh, this is uh, one of the, the traditions we have as a church is when a family moves on after they've been a member of our church, we want to send them out. We want to commission them and pray over them as they go. Uh, and so after six years of being a part of Missio Day Falcon, uh, Isaiah wasn't born yet. The rest of you guys were a lot younger and smaller when you came. Um, and just for six years, they've been a, a healthy part of our church family. Um, and just uh, the idea of making disciples. There are many more disciples in Falcon, Colorado, who have been strengthened and encouraged and come to faith because of the ministry of this family. Um, I think about even uh, Ethan praying with one of our neighbor kids and leading him to accept Jesus as his Savior. Uh, it's one of those like, stories that will always stick with me with you guys. Uh, they faithfully led not only in D.C.'s, but also our youth ministry. They got that started. Uh, it's, uh, it was thriving under their leadership. It's continuing to thrive because of how they set it up to go from there. So now uh, they're returning home to Florida, uh, and they're going uh, just with our, our 
our blessing, and we're going to miss you guys so much. But we want to pray over you and send you out. When you, when you read through the New Testament and you get to Paul's letters, at the end of all his letters, he always has these instructions where he's like, hey, uh, send this person here, bring this with you, send this person over there. And, and what it is is recognizing that we're in this spiritual battle and that God, as a good general, sends his troops where he needs them in order to do ministry. And so just as you guys have made disciples here, I have no doubt that there will be many disciples in Florida who are strengthened through the ministry you have there. And we're going we're gonna to miss you guys a ton. So if you're able, can you uh, stick out your hands and, and uh, join me in praying for the Batellis? God, we're so grateful uh, for this family and for how they have ministered to so many people these last six years. Uh, they, they have given of their hearts, their lives, uh, their time. They have served so sacrificially and joyfully. They have brought encouragement and joy to so many people. So I pray that as they go now and they lead, uh, follow your calling to this next chapter of their life, that you would go before them, that you would bless them, that you would protect them, uh, that you would make their ministry in Florida just as fruitful as it was here. And Lord, as we, as we continue to serve your kingdom in different uh, seasons of life, in different areas of the country. May you keep us, uh, the fellowship, strong based on the goodness of your son. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We're going we're gonna to miss you. Yeah. So make sure you give the Batalis a hug uh, and say goodbye to them before they leave today. What, what we're going to do now is a transition to communion. And I think one of the things I want us to see what's happening here, uh, all aspects of what we've done this morning, Right, so we, we have prayed over a church planter and his wife who is starting a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. We're sending a family to uh, Florida to go make disciples in Florida as well. We have gathered and we have encouraged one another. Uh, and and as, as we've been going through the book of Acts the last, what is it, 28 weeks, 30 weeks, something like that, all of this should seem very familiar. Okay, what's happening today is an extension of what Jesus has done for 2,000 years. He, he has commissioned people to go make disciples of all nations, whether that's in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Florida, all those places. It's because Jesus has, like Ed told us this morning, he has commissioned us for ministry. And, and I love the way that you, okay, I, I talk about the Bible up here from time to time. Ed preached this morning, and I'm so grateful for you actually preaching and showing these people what a sermon should sound like when you're preaching God's word. Uh, but this idea of like the commissioning, God has commissioned us. And the reason we are commissioned to ministry is because Jesus died and rose again. Okay, so the commission comes after the cross. And if it wasn't for the cross, we would have no authority or ability or calling to go make disciples. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, and because of what happened in the empty tomb, that is why we can join this long list of people who have made disciples of all nations. And so the reason we take communion every week, we have it at these three stations around the gym, the reason when you come to the table, what you're doing is you're reminding your soul that because of the cross, we are now commissioned. Okay, because Jesus took your sin upon himself, because his body was broken for you, because his blood was shed for you, you now participate in the mission of Jesus to go into the world and make disciples. So this is not just a little cracker. It's not just a little bit of juice. It's a reminder that his body was broken, his blood was shed, and because of that, you are transformed and commissioned into ministry. So if you are a follower of Christ, we invite you during these next two songs to come take the elements back to your table, to, to prayerfully reflect on what Jesus has done for you, and then to go with the confidence that he has given you his authority, he has given you his command, and he has given you his presence. So go make disciples. If you are able, please join me in standing. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to send your son. Uh, we are so grateful that he was obedient enough to live in our place and to uh, walk faithfully in all the ways that we have struggled. And we are so grateful that he was compassionate and loving enough to die in our place for our sin. And we're so grateful that he was powerful enough to rise again three days later. 
Lord, I pray that the beauty of this story of the gospel, the fact that, that you have uh, taken our sin upon your shoulders, and you have paid the penalty that we deserve, I pray as we come to the table now that you would uh, fill our souls with an abundant gratitude that carries us into this next week so that as we go, we make disciples of all that we interact with. And it's in your name we pray.